0: Welcome to this week's episode of Dugout Dish Podcast. I'm joined by my co-host, Keith Glasser. Keith, how are we doing? Great. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited to introduce our special guest for this week's episode, a former teammate and the head coach at Army, Chris Traz. Hey, Chris. Thanks for joining
1: us. So Guys, no, it's good to see you.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um before we start firing some questions off, you wanna give the listeners just a quick rundown of of kind of how you got to where you are now?
1: Sure. Um originally from uh from Connecticut, uh grew up in North Brantford outside in uh New Haven and then ended up at, at Marist College, like uh my the two esteemed coaches or uh uh hosts, I guess you guys are, right? Um, and so played at Marist for, um, from 2000 to 2005. Um, and then went right into coaching afterwards, um, and coached at Marist as an assistant coach for three years, did one year at West Point, um, as a pitching coach in 2008, 2009, and then the last 13 years, um, at Marist. And then this past summer took the job at, at army again as the head coach. So, um, you know, I'm just kind of Ping pong back and forth in the Hudson Valley, um, but been been lucky to uh, be coached by um, some really good coaches and be around um, some really good people and play with some uh, great great players and great people as well. Um, you know, the 2005 team was my last my last run, and and and, and we shared a great experience going to a regional and, and playing at LSU and, and that one, and and then uh, got the joy of, of of kind of playing and then and then coaching. Uh, you guys too which was equally as awkward uh you know when you're when you're a young coach but it, you know it's one of the things that you really kind of um you know I, I was able to to do some things early in my career one was start coaching at 23 but then become a head coach at 27. so i've had some i think some unique experiences uh on the on the field but um you know we're just like everybody we just kind of grew up in the in the college game
0: yeah, we were definitely lucky to be around some pretty awesome people. Not only, is, you know, we were all teammates, but you know, some of the guys that coached us and, you know, some of the coaches that we got a chance to know early on in our careers. And it's it's always interesting how impactful those guys can be, even if you don't get a chance to communicate it with them. But, you know, I know I, I learned a lot from you playing with you uh, and then, you know, also being coached that one year, was on staff with you for one year. And, you know, lucky to lucky to still be in touch with you to this day and excited for what you're doing at Army and you guys are having a good year and looking forward to
1: seeing how you guys close this one out. So Yeah, no, it's been uh it's been good. You know, we've been I've been very, very lucky, um, to say the least. Um it's been uh yeah, it's been almost twenty years and like twenty three years in college, division one college baseball. It's pretty good. So. God, that's wild. That's wild aging
0: ourselves but yeah. Uh, well, good, man. We're we're super excited to have you on and uh, we'll start it off with a fairly broad question, but I think it's an important one that a lot of people are always interested in is, and you might have two quite two different answers to this having, you know, the 14 years at Marist and now at Army. I'd be interested to see the contrast, but how do you identify players? Like, you know, what does that process look like for you um, to really get guys on your radar and, you know, kind of what are the Kind of what's your what's your recipe there?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, You know, I think the the foundation of it is the exact same between Marist and and, and West Point. It's just kind of what the markers are that that make uh, a player and a student um, kind of viable. You know, I think the first thing, like any place is, um, you know, can they play? I think I think first identifying. out and finding the, the best players that you think um, you know fit fit our style, fit our um, our, uh, our our program is is really really important. But then it just so quickly transitions into can they fit in in that in in, in the academic environment and the campus environment, you know. And I think um, it's it's pretty more cut and dry these days with like a transcript, you know. It's it's very quickly you can get to a yes or no. Um, you know, test scores have become a little bit more optional and, and different through the COVID times where where schools and, and just guys taking them is a little bit different. So, you know, I think there's a there's a heavy, heavy um, focus now on what they're doing day to day in the classroom. And, and really from there, if you check those two boxes, like we're either, it's a go, no go at that point. Um, and, you know, quite simply at that point, I think it becomes like whether, whether you start to mesh or not, it becomes a communication on Are they responsive? Um, you know, are the conversations, um, substantive, like in, in nature, you know, I think that becomes the, the, the next piece. And, you know, in today's existence, sometimes it's easy for us to just text recruits. Um, but you don't really know much from that. You know, everybody can kind of hide behind it. So, um, you know, the actual conversations that you can have over the telephone or, you know, in person, I think make a huge, huge impact. Like that's I don't and and again, I my assistants will laugh at me sometimes. We'll have a visit and they're like, I had no idea what you were gonna do because I think that that 45 minutes, that hour that you're sitting down with the families and with the with the kid, like you gotta make some you gotta make some decisions at times. Um and is it relatable? Um, do they fit? Do you think that they would fit in the locker room or on the field to your coaching style? Um, you know, you hope everybody can throw and catch and hit and do the general things. Um, it just becomes, you know, like for me, I, I, I think you have to understand your coaching style too, as a coach. Like, I think at times I, I do push our guys, like you got to sometimes make it, guys make a decision whether they're going to put in the time to be a division one athlete um and to be good at it. And that doesn't always just naturally happen. So there's going to be some push and pull and and like is that going to be a problem? Um you know so you're kind of sensing not only the kid but the family as to kind of how how this thing has gotten to the point where they're 16 years old and they're playing on this team and they're playing playing well and all this stuff. So um you know at, at Maris that kind of stopped you know like at, at that, you know, at, at army West point, like, yeah, we have to talk about there's a, there's a commitment level and a sacrifice to um, that decision as well, which is kind of just separate. But, you know, I think leading up to, to that point, it's all, it's all the same. Like, you know um, our job at the end of the day is to coach baseball um, and to, and to get those guys. So it starts there and then kind of trickles its way. Like I, I have not, I've never been one, and you guys dealt with it at academic schools. Like I, I've never tried to look at the GPA or the academics first unless we really had to, to make the right decision on who to go watch. You know, you do at times have to do that. Like I want to go watch a shortstop and be like, that guy's a dude. And then, like, his grades good, and then you either get disappointed or excited. Um, as opposed to just try striking somebody off the list because, you know, I just rather watch good baseball. Um, even if I'm wasting some, you know, make a mistake here or there, um, I think it's worth it. That's uh, It's
0: really insightful. Um, it's interesting how it's really not that much different until you get to the the service commitment. Um, and I think that that's a
1: question that yeah. I was had. talked Going about and, it with you a little bit. And people ask all the time, like, how do you do it? And then so this is like the way that they, at West Point, they talk about it is, you know, can you, uh can you play you know are and then like uh can you help us win was that that's like you know the first thing um and then you know academically can you handle it and then would you make a good officer in the army like it's not the reverse so like we're trying to go get a player and exposing them to the great things at, at any institution right as opposed to we're only responding to somebody that reaches out to us like we'll do that too, right? Because it, it might just make the process easier. But um there's probably 70% of our guys on our team that have never thought of a, an academy, never even in their wildest dreams had a connection to it or even thought about it. Um, but once you show them the big picture, it kind of makes sense to their um to their thought process of what they want. Um, you know, so it's maybe a little bit reverse from what people think, where it's like, you're only getting guys that want to do this. Like some of them have, to, have never thought about it. So you're, you're learning with them. And then that's the process takes a little bit longer um, because you have to show them, like, you've got to, you got to talk to them. You got to, the experience, the relationship, the, um, the information that you're giving is a little bit more robust, but it starts in the same place as anywhere else.
2: Yeah. Um, the, you know, I, I think it's a, it's something we talk about a lot. Um, you know, at, at the end of the day, we as college coaches, you formerly me and Andy, like we got paid to win baseball games. And, you know, the that is kind of the <clears throat> the start of when you're, you know, kind of going out and find trying to find guys, you know, can they help me win? You know, so it's I it's interesting, obviously, for to to hear that it's um, you know, the reverse of what I, I've, you know, and we played army how many times in our career. Um, you know, I kind of always thought it was, you know, everybody there had that kind of higher calling and wanted to do that, you know, wanted to go into the army or the, or the service and then just kind of ended up at a West point or a Navy or an air force. And, um, you know, that's interesting that it's, it's a little bit different. Um, learn something new, even at 37 years old. Um, you know, but to, to, to expand a little bit, um, you know, along the same lines, like how do you guys go about building a roster Um, once you kind of get through the identification process of like, okay, these are the guys that we're super interested in. How do they fit into, how would they fit into your program? And how do you guys kind of, you know, decipher and then plug and play guys from there?
1: Yeah. You know, I think the one thing for us that again is it changes the dynamic is that there's, um, like everybody's, the school's paid for at West Point. So you're not dealing with partial scholarships. You're not dealing like we're technically non-scholarship, but every kid is like, they're not paying anything to go to school. So I think that's a, like, obviously an advantage for us because you're not splitting hairs at a time. You know, like when you talk about a non-scholarship kid and they become a full pay kid, like, what is that, Athlete look like. What does that pitcher or player look like to what is a fifty percent or to a seventy five percent or like? We don't have to really look at it that way. it We look at it more in just like the depth of your squad and like um, and, and 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 trying to in the best way put it put it together. And it's not perfect from the sense of um you can create an identity with your team, but like you also have to recruit guys that want to come and and say yes at the end of the day. So. There is some push and pull with with some of the stylistic things that you would probably maybe, maybe at other places be able to do a little bit better. But, you know, I think um when we're putting it together, the depth on the mound becomes the the biggest, the biggest piece for us, right? And it's no different than anywhere. Like you're gonna be, you're gonna be up the middle, you're gonna be on the mound, right? Like it's if you're gonna be good, you're gonna get in that realm. Um, the one thing with us is I think we can get physical big physical kids that like to be physical and big. Um, it's just kind of the makeup of, of some of these guys. And I think, you know, when you look at our, or the Patriot league, I think it's a great example. Like the best players are six, two, six, three, and 215 to 230 pounds. And when they get it, they get it. Um, there's some exceptions, but you know, they're big and physical, like on the mound, the guys are six, three to six, five, you know, right-handers that, with some velo and can spin it like it's. There's no secret to kind of the way college baseball is is trending and and being played. So you know, regardless of what I think, what I kind of would, what, what maybe we looked at in 1999 or 2005 as the right team. Like that's not that's not the way the game's played anymore, right? So um identifying these guys and then you know being able to to recruit your butt off and 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 really again we talk about it, exposing guys to our to our schools as opposed to selling like we're not selling anything Um because they've got to be committed to it and if they're committed to it they have every they know everything they there's it's an open book and they can go get it but um you know we are like everybody else you're trying to find probably I'd, I guess I and I say in recruiting all the time the simplest player like that's the guy that just like shows up and does his stuff and works really really hard it's really simple to coach that guy and they usually become good at that point um you know the lucky thing that we have here a little bit is uh you know and I don't I'll use just like there's not a lot of bs right like it's not a place that puts up with any anything so you know you're it's it's a different clientele right like at Marist you're talking about a school that's. Sixty-five to seventy thousand dollars, and you're not fully funded. Like you have to find ways to to get a thirty-five man roster of people that can you make it financially affordable and make it the right academic and 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 fit for for people and and do that for four years. You know, and I think that was a struggle that we had a lot. Is sometimes it's the right fit for a year, but it's not sustainable for that family for four. Right and trying to to make it the best thing that we could do. And we did it. I think we, I don't want to say we over-offered, but we tried to make it as affordable as we could for, for families at, at Marist for years. And did it force us to maybe not get one or two more guys in that class or on that team? Like, yeah, but it was the right thing to do. Um, and it was the only way I think you can make it work. And, you know, when you look at schools, like what's a cheap school anymore? There is no such there's no such thing. Um, and you know, when they talk about Maris being, you know, in a sense, like affordable at $65,000, like that's crazy, uh,
3: mm-hmm.
1: to me, yeah. uh, you know, thinking about it with three kids, like how would we do this in this environment? Right. And, um, and again, that strikes some, some people off the list recruiting and it puts other people on the list. Um, but I, that was always a huge concern of ours it was a big co- topic of conversation was the financial impact that these decisions on our end would put on a family um and thankfully now you know again at West Point like it's that's off the table like we can go recruit anybody from any socioeconomic background and and I think really create geographic diversity um ethnic diversity like racial diversity like we can do we can we can create a diverse team Um, because we don't have to worry about the financial part of it.
2: Yeah, that's huge, Um, especially coming from my background, at least for the last 10 years, like it was, you know, to your point, I I mean, we were, I want to say last year, this, the next year was going to be 82,000 all in, like that's absurd. And, And, you know, it's, there was no scholarship money or anything like that. So it's It's I've had plenty of those conversations where, you know, hey, it's not going to be affordable. And I mean, you're pricing out a a substantial portion of the population when you start creeping into those numbers. And 65 is, you know, it is affordable, you know, in quotations here. It's it's absurd right now. Um, You know, but I I also think, you know, we've talked a lot with other guys and, and I think amongst ourselves that, you know, baseball has become so much more physical. You know, and I, I don't. I, I honestly, I I can honestly say this. Like, I don't know, given my skill set right now, like if I would be a Division One guy in twenty twenty three. Like, I I really don't, because that like I didn't really get that physical until junior senior year. Like, you have guys walking into campus now that are were bigger than me, and not that I was small, but like it's it's a you know it's a far different game than what you know we kind of played. You know, and and we played with really good players and we were a really good team. But it's it's just it's morphed and changed so much over the last 15, 20 years that it's, you know, it's and you're right. You you kind of are in a nice little niche where guys want to be pretty physical for you when they show up on campus. But, you know, I think that the overall thing is that, like, even if you're going if you're going to go play in college, like you're going to be in the weight room quite a bit. So you're going to want to step on campus and be pretty physical before you even get there.
1: No, and I. I. With the question, you know, like, I was thinking today, I was making dinner, right? And I'm like, where, like, would I be good enough today? Yeah. I mean, I'm a good college player, right? And, you know, I'm like, out of high school, like, where would I, like, where could I have gone, right, with the exposure of today's thing? Like, obviously, you think that, like, obviously, you go go crazy, right? Right. But, like, there's also a piece, like, when wh- those times that I was pitching at, 84 to 86 like how good is that in today's world like with an average break like I could you know I could locate the baseball like and that would have been like my unicorn skill set but like how good would that be today and and it's unknown right because you know we we laugh about it now and then it's it's just so strange because you get all the track man data and stuff and like hitting speed like when we played a guy throwing 90, 91 was like this guy who's like, he's going to be a first rounder. Um, Like a guy, 88 to 91 is hitting speed now. Like they were, they are the 85 to 88 that we played on. Like because of the, you know, the, the machines, because of just the exposure of people just throwing hard, like 88 to 91. You're like thinking that guy's a dude. Like he's got to have some stuff that plays in the zone. Now, you know, like you know, if, if his stuff isn't like, if he doesn't have a breaking ball that really can kind of get in and out of the zone or a fastball with some life and be able to change planes, like it's rough. And that's like, that's where the game is completely changed. I mean, you, you know, I know you guys do it. I do it. Like when I get home from a game and you throw on ESPN and you watch Tennessee and Florida and they don't throw a pitch under 96 miles an hour, like they would have one guy on their team 10 years ago. that could do that. Now they have five, six, seven guys that can do it. And so the games, like it's just elevated. So if they're throwing that hard, like what is a guy that's five, six, 150 pounds, like you've got to be really, really, really good. And there's just less of those guys that can handle it. So the physicality of matching what the pitchers are doing is vital. Um, And it's just harder to find um, because, you know, it's – it's not, it's not easy hitting these days. I mean, I know numbers are good, but you got to hit a lot of different things today, you know, and for pitchers, it's just, it's an equalizer. It's just different. Right. And like, you don't have a choice. Like the game is, is different. It's growing. It's, it's better. I think it really is. Um, When you get into like the, the, the higher levels of it, of, you know, you, if you watch the division three world series, like you're going to see dudes, you're going to see really good baseball. Like, you know, I think like Southern New Hampshire's got a 20 something game winning streak, Like go watch them play. Like they win some, probably some low major conferences in division one, like mm-hmm. this, like, you're going to see it. And again, this is another year, you know, Indiana state, you know, like schools that people don't regularly follow, you know, lawford again, is you know, it's just crushing it. Like these, these teams are going to be in regionals and like they got chances to win it now. Like not just win a game, but win regional, so it's it's changed and when you watch those guys, they run really fast, they're strong, and they're really athletic, you know, like the recipe really doesn't change you know from from anybody
0: yeah the, the parodies the parody's wild, and I mean, I won't you know talk kind of too much because these guys hit it pretty well, but like it's such a better game, like kids are bigger, they're faster, they're stronger, they're training better um and it's it's impressive to watch, and it have it's it's lifted the level of play at all levels. But yeah, to your point, like you look in the top twenty five now, and you know I got you know, we we talk to people who don't even know who Campbell is, and they're I think they're number nine right now. It's like you know there's like four goes- or five of those teams in the top twenty five, and you got a bunch of them in that top forty range. Like there's some the parity's wild, and I I think it speaks to yeah. kind of the expanded recruiting. Uh, I think. Fewer kids are going unnoticed, but I think that college coaches and the technology that they have, I think kids are getting developed. Um, And I think that that's an important piece of it, too, is these kids are getting to campus and these coaches are getting the most out of these kids. And you're seeing those kids make that jump. And, um, yeah, it's a different, you know, you, you talk about the machines. I can't remember one time ever using a pitching machine at Marist for anything. And now they got these yeah well we had the we had the uh, the racquetball court for for batting <laughs> practice in the winter but uh you know these kids that can train velocity and the ninety just doesn't get it done anymore and it's crazy but it's it's it, like really in it a really fun right? to watch
1: that's like nineties like great yeah you know like it's different yeah um and i think you know on top of it i think the other pieces is, is is more competitive than it's ever been Now you can talk about the transfer portal as a bad thing. Like all it's done is create more competition one way or another. Like you either opt out of competition or you're opting into another competitive world. So a kid leaving a mid-major going to a high major, like he's creating, he's going into the most competitive environment he's ever been in and is making a decision to do that. So most likely he's in, right? Like he's willing to work. Now, the other side is like, high major kickback or different things or division two to division one, like you're creating a more competitive environment. So if you have competitive people, it should raise the level of play. And again, it's going to, it's going to weed out some people, but those, those guys just usually sat on a roster. Now they're getting phased out, you know, like with any roster of 35, you're going to have seven guys that don't play that probably have some academic issues, maybe some behavioral stuff, they're immature, they're just not ready yet. And the like now they just get they're they're not really long-term solutions. Um and the and the the what coach coaches doing, they're trying to bring in seven guys that have value, right? And create a purpose and those things. So I in in a sense if you can if you if you put it into a vacuum it should raise the level of play if you've got the right guys and i think that's why some of those mid majors that are really like cracking the the top part like they've created through recruiting four year guys high school guys and transfers have created a much higher level of uh competition in their programs and you've seen the results
2: yeah i think the the transfer portal thing is you know we've talked about it and it's <clears throat> I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. I, I agree with you. I think the fact that you can create a little bit more competition and and become more competitive is is really is ideally what you're trying to do. Like you're trying to put out the best team that you can possibly put out there to win. You know, I, and, you know, my the, the lone cynic in me was and I've said this, you know, a, a couple of times that the like I would be hesitant if I was still coaching at RPI to send some of my like good business majors into a summer ball competitive league because it's you know i just told you know we just talked about like it's eighty two thousand dollars like you could literally go anywhere in this country and study business and if you like if you want to level up that's great but like now i'm also kind of stuck without a really good arm at our level that i have to you know i can't necessarily just pick from the transfer portal in that regard but i you know it's it would be the one thing that like might worry me but you know, if that's the lone worry that I have, I think if you do a good enough job on the front end, like you're more than likely going to have those kids for for four years if you're at a, a high end academic school like that. But yeah. I, I no, don't.
1: I, yeah, I think the only other part of it that becomes problematic in a sense is it's changed the the relationship dynamic completely. And again, not for everybody, but like you're building a, a team for a year. Right. And, you know, I think you can invest, you, you know, some, sometimes you're investing two, three years in recruiting a kid. And then after a year, they're like, yeah, it was fun. Thanks. You know, where I, I don't know, like we talk about at Marist again, this was a unique time, but you know, I played for three head coaches in five years and after the, I don't know if we lost anybody when the coaches left. Like we all just were like, this is where we're supposed to be, like whoever's gonna come coaches coaches us, we're gonna be good anyway, like you felt like it was you were a part of something kind of really cool, um, and that's not necessarily easy to do anymore, and some programs can't right, but the majority, it's less less that you know, and I think that's why I feel lucky to be where I'm at because. There is a, uh, there's just a big commitment part to it, right? A commitment to the team. It's, it's like when you talk about a brotherhood, uh, like this is as good as it gets. Um, and again, like you still have to, um, you still have to create the right environment and the right culture and the right program. But like, that's, that's the biggest piece, you know, like, again, like, unfortunately you would not want to send your guy to summer ball, but what's the right thing for that kid to do is to go play summer ball. Right. Like selfishly, like you have to, you, you fight these internal demons because what will happen is somebody just walks up to them in the bullpen and says, Hey, what do you think? Like we can make it 40 grand. Yeah. You know, and you have that conversation with you know their folks and you can't blame them. And you know, what do we do? So yeah, it's not perfect by any stretch, but you know, I think guys freely getting out of bad situations or situations they're not made for like,
2: yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, if they got
1: one foot in your program and one foot out of your program, like are you gonna be real are they gonna be really good?
2: No, and you're not that that's where you know you're spending so much time together that you're gonna be able to really to, to decipher very quickly, like, all right, yeah. this isn't this isn't gonna last for a very long time, so let's just move on.
3: Right. Yeah,
2: it's tough
0: to hear people get all upset about the kids. And you know, that they're in the transfer portal. And, you know, to your point, Chris, these kids got different reasons for where they want to be. Sometimes it's money. Sometimes it's, hey, I'm too far. I went too far from home. Sometimes it's, hey, I get here and I realize like I am one of those back seven guys. And if I really want to play, if playing time is important to me, I might need to go find another place. And I think it's really hard to, you know, it's easy to tweet about and, you know, blame coaches or blame players for decisions that they make. But you know, 17, 18-year-old kids, like, they're not always going to get it right. And, you know, I, I think it's good for college baseball, and I think you just need, you know, for players and parents that are listening, you just need to be educated on the decision you're making and make the decision that's best for you. And, you know, most coaches aren't going to hold that against you. And, and in, in a lot of ways, as long as you're a, a good person, I think most coaches will help you navigate that if, if you are a kid that is at the collegiate level and you realize, hey, this isn't the best place for me. You know, a lot of guys are going to help there. Um, as long as you handle your business appropriately and you're a good yeah. teammate, you know, you do you do things the right way. I don't I don't know many guys that would, um, you know, they're going to go throw a kid under their bus or, or not be a resource to them if, if they're doing the things they need to do. And it's just not the right fit.
1: No, I mean, I like, you know, and I know that it was like in basketball, they always talk about it. And Jay Billis would, you know, he talks about the players and the coaches like. I, like I left Maris for a situation that I thought was better for me and my family. Yeah, like the hypocritical piece would be like, to be like this transfer port is terrible. Like I was, I left, to- R-
2: I left RPI for a better position <laughs> for our no, family. Like no, I, I'm like, the same way.
1: No, but you have to, you know, and and like, we don't, nobody wants to talk about it that way, but like, I didn't, I mean, I, I love those kids at, at Marist. I love the time I had. I mean, it's again, 22 out of the last 23 years spent my life, you know, like, but, there was a situation and and, 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 I think for me, an optimal time in, in, in my life and career and in our family's lives to do it. And, you know, we had to do it. And that's not to say like every kid should transfer, but like, I also going back to 2002 when coach chef left, like, you know, and then coach Tyrell left. And then, you know, like, it, I went through all these different things and I thought about leaving, you know, like Keith, I know it, it wasn't always roses for you, man. Right. Like Andy, you go through it too, right? Like you were, you know, you had your injury in, in high school and you, you know, right? Like and you had to go through your recruiting process and 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 it always you just don't know, right? But you just hope the people around you are caring about you. And I think that's the the big piece that like if your parents I I appreciated my parents because they weren't my fans. They were my parents. And I think because of that, we made the right choice. Like talking through it, that Maris was probably the right place for me to stay because I could have went somewhere bigger and different, but like we were able to sit down and talk about it fully. Right. Um, you know, and I think that's, that's a piece when you can get caught up in different things. Like that's, that's probably where it goes astray, but you know, again, not speaking for you guys, but like, I mean, I would say 90% of kids question the place that they're at at something. When coach rides them on a given day, it's their freshman fall or you're practicing indoors at 11 o'clock at night or you're on a bus trip and it's 3 a.m. coming back from Charlotte or you just got your doors blown in, you know, by but you get run ruled and different things. And then, you know, the next week, all of a sudden, you're, you know, you sweep somebody and, you know you're, you're with the guys in the locker room and everything's great. And, you know, you get an opportunity and you work, like you just have to kind of be able to take a bigger picture of it. But I think we've all thought about it. We've all talked about it, right. You know, you've um and you've got to work through it. But again, I think, you know, from, from now, like my high school coach was not involved with my stuff. Right. And I don't think a lot, and there's not a lot of places today where the high school coaches are the central focus. And, you know, obviously you have um, the travel coach is much more involved in the recruiting process. And if, you know, again, I talk about like if your parents are your parents and not your fans, if your coach is your coach and not a, you know, a fan or 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 kind of it's about the program, then you can really get to the root of the right choices. Um, but that takes time and a lot of trust, um, and patience at times.
2: Yeah, I, I think it you're dead on. And I think the other is the having the as much information in front of you, you know, with some of those decisions too. You know, I, you're right. I, it wasn't all, I had a really tough freshman year. Um And, you know, I had parents much like yours that, you know, they were my parents first. And it was like, this is the best place for you. Like, I know it's a little tough right now, but, you know, life isn't just easy and you're just not going to walk in there and be amazing at everything that you do. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. You know, and then. I was, you know, I was fortunate to play for you and play for heels and, you know, I, I'm still close with heels and you, um, you know, when I was able to actually learn a, a lot more about myself and and what it actually, you know, takes to be successful at the college level, you know, and, and it's a lot more, I think, than, than you even realize going into it. Um, You know, and it takes a certain level of maturity at some point too. Like I wasn't mature enough as a freshman to kind of understand what what it took to be really good. I just kind of thought like, "Wow, I was good in high school. I'm gonna be good here." And that's not like that's that's the worst possible kind of mindset to have. Um, You know, that takes a lot of sacrifice and it takes a lot of hard work, and you know, it takes a lot of trust in your coaches and the people around you to, to that they're putting you in the right spot to be successful. Um, you know, and I think the, the, the big thing too, and, you know, I, th- I still think it's a thing nowadays is that the ability to self-assess, you know, I, I think, you know, you, you could be doing a lot of really good things in practice, but you also have to be able to look in the mirror and be like, Hey, I like, I get opportunities in games and I go over four with three punches. Like, you know, you keep doing that. You're pro- your, your opportunities are going to be a little bit more limited. You get in there and you put some good at bats together. Like your, you know, things can start to turn, but I, I think. You know, as I got older and I was surrounded by people that I truly and honestly do believe wanted me to be successful, like and you have hard conversations, um, you know, it, it, you can it starts to kind of open your eyes to, to what it actually takes to be good at that level. And, you know, uh, but on the same hand, like I never thought I never legitimately thought of leaving like I, I, to your point, like I felt I always felt that there was something, you know, awesome about that place and I was at the right place for me. I just, I struggled because I, you know, I was a little homesick and, you know, I wasn't playing and, you know, so it it was, there's a lot of things that went into that, but, you know, I I was fortunate enough to be surrounded by people who did care, um, you know, and I was able to have those conversations with my parents and my coaches and you and, you know, some of the older guys, you know, so it wasn't, it helped me out as I went, but it, you know, to your point, it's, it, it, it takes a lot and there's a lot that goes into the game. And I think sometimes as coaches, we forget that. Um, going through that process, but it, it it is very true. You know, you can you can be a- empathetic, you know, and I think that's one of the biggest things as coaches that you're still dealing with 18 and 19 year olds, like they're still kids, they're still gonna, you know, you still have to have those conversations with them.
1: We think we're young now, <laughs> it's years ago. So yeah.
0: It's uh that transition's interesting, and I think. touch on something real quick, but I I think that weaves into one of the questions we want to answer, but it's not easy. It doesn't matter how good you are, right? You can be the best guy on campus. You could be the, you know, the the heralded freshman who's going to come in and start every day, but there's going to be times that you're going to get tested uh, and, you know, being able to push through those moments when things are uncomfortable is very different than leaving a place that's not a fit for you. Because right, a lot of times that uncomfortable piece is what's going to make you make you get to where you want to go. Um, you know, from a personal perspective, from a baseball perspective, is pushing through some of those difficulties. And, you know, hopefully if you're you know, if you're a player, you make a good decision. Like I, I felt like I lucked out like crazy because I walked into a super old team. Yeah. And I had guys who you guys had won so much before we got there. Like I had no choice but to either follow and do as the guys who were really good did or you're going to get left behind. And I felt fortunate in that sense, but not everybody walks into that situation and it can be tough. And, um, you know, as a freshman, college baseball is a jump up. It doesn't matter which level, it doesn't matter which level you go to and what program you go to. There's an adjustment period, um, which kind of, I think, bleeds into an interesting question that we, we like to ask is, what are some of the, what are some of the common traits that you see from freshmen that are able to, adjust to that learning curve quickly
1: i think they need to uh listen more than they talk um they need to to build some some calluses and some thick skin um while starting to really understand the like the bigger picture um we had a funny story in the in the in the uh in the dugout yesterday um we had a freshman basically make his like third start of his career in army navy like it's a pretty big deal and uh he gets a bunt down on sunday and one of our seniors comes over and he's like you remember when you were yelling at chris bar you remember when you were yelling at him and i was like what are you talking about and he's like when are you gonna get it when are you gonna get it it's important right when it's army navy and you got to get one down And like, I don't even think about this stuff. Right. When you when you're you're coaching, you're just you're just going. Right. And my point was, is like, you may not think it's important today, but it will be at some point. Right. And you're not going to want to let down the seniors in this in the biggest moment. Right. Where you get an opportunity. And I think that's one of the things for freshmen is like, you know, you walk in and one well, hardest parts to do is like they all we talk about self-assessment like they create a starting lineup on day one whether you say it or not they're like he's the starting shortstop he's the catcher he's the center fielder he's whatever now there's a few freshmen that'll be like i'm better than that dude and i'll show him. and then there's 80 percent of them that just say oh, i'll just be the, the second or third guy and their work level, their intensity, their intent are like, Bleh. you know, and you're like, man, like this is gonna be a long road with this kid. Like his energy level, his like there's just so far to go. Where if they just realize, like, if I just try and be like the best player and fake it for a little while and be humbled that like you're not the best player anymore, it's probably not even close. But you will be if you just like put your head down and wear it when it's your time to wear it and like fail when it's your time to fail, but then show up the next day with with energy and, and enthusiasm to get, to get better, right? Like those guys, they're hard to find, but most freshmen can't play right away because the way that the schedules are set up, unless you're at the, the highest level, is you're not supposed to win ever. Right. Like they pay us money to go play because they're supposed to beat our tails in. Right. So putting a freshman into a situation where they're facing a Friday night guy that's 93 to 96 with a hammer when he faced 82 miles an hour in said state, like it's you're set up to fail. So like it's, it's the long game because like right now we're in, you're in the end of April and May is when, All the good stuff happens, right? Like you have to get better. And there are so many times you're like, you don't realize how close you are to playing. And you're not ready because you're taking weeks and months off being the third string guy in your head when you're not, you know, like we would do it in recruiting a lot is be like, you are like, we are bringing you into, to compete for a job. And then there'd be some guys would be like, Hey, like, I think it's going to take time, but like, I believe if you work your your butt off, like maybe sometime in your sophomore year or junior year, like you're going to be, you're going to be good enough to play. Like, and we would kind of tell them like you're a developmental player and like, you're like, let's go guy, you know, just to give them. And, and for us too, it's like, we need to be patient at times and picking our spots to be patient and when not to be patient is a hard thing as well. But like, I just, there's not many freshmen that are really good. And I think it's because they make the decision that it's not their time. And guys that make a decision, like, I'm going to go in and do this. Like, I don't know. Like I, and I think about it. I would, I mean, I like at Marist catchers were always my thing, right? There's only one catcher. There's four of you guys, but one of you is like the starter. And they're like, well, stop acting like the fourth. Like if you're the fourth, if you're going to be the fourth string catcher, like just then just don't even stretch, just go on the bullpen. Like, we don't even need to talk. Like, I'll travel you. Like, it'll be great. But just go down. Like, we won't even – like, you don't even need to hit, man. Like, it's good. Just do your thing. Get A's in school and go in the bullpen. Like, we'll have a great relationship. But if you want to play, like, there's a certain expectation that comes with it, right? You know, and I think pitchers do the same thing. And, you know, like, it's hard to get guys to, like, feel that, like, this is my – it's okay because high schools are trained, like we don't play freshmen. We don't play uh, something like there's this hierarchy and like college baseball could give a, give a darn about a hierarchy in terms of like years. You can help us like you're in man. And so, you know, I think though, the other part though, is the guys that talk the most when they get there about how good they are and all that. Like it it usually is like a really, really, they feel alienated. They don't feel accepted. they feel like separate from the group, the guys that just kind of like mesh and just like, I'll just be like a a fly on the wall and do what the good guys do or do more than the good guys do. It usually ends up okay. And, you know, I was weird. I I, like, I was, I was a different player. Like I think in my head, like I just, I just thought different, you know, and maybe still do at some point, but like, I would wake up Saturday mornings and run at 9.00 AM. Cause I just assumed everybody else went out that night. Like as a freshman and sophomore, every day, every Saturday, I'd get up and, and run. Now running doesn't make you a better pitcher, but it was just a psychological thing for me that like I had a chance. Like if I could just do a little bit that somebody else wasn't doing, then maybe right. And again, like running poles has been dispelled as like the worst thing ever for pitchers, so obviously it would make didn't make me better. But what I think it started to do was to train your mind that like if you're getting, if I'm doing this stuff, right, and then I'm doing the stuff in practice and I'm doing it really well, like I may get a shot, and if I get a shot, that's all I need. Um, And I think that's a hard concept for a lot of young guys to to feel. They want it. They want. They say they want it but doing it is a totally different, totally different thing. And like committing to it, right? We talk about intent a lot. Like, are you intentional about doing it? Or are you just, did we practice today?
0: Practice is, I think that's a huge transition for kids. How to practice at the collegiate level. And that's like step number one is learning how to assimilate into it And understand how a practice works, understand the effort that needs to be put forth, because high school practices, I mean, let's be honest, most high school programs. They're just rolling some balls out, they're going to take some BP on the field, but learning how to practice. And understanding that those moments as a player are oftentimes what open the door for you to get an opportunity in a game, and if you've prepared because you're doing the right things on the practice field every day you give yourself a chance to be successful and you don't have those those struggle moments and you get another opportunity because you put together a good at bat or you got a chance to, to throw in a blowout game, but you went in, you pounded the strike zone, you showed the composer, well, you're going to go to that guy again. And like, that's how stuff opens up. And I think that if you're a freshman and you can check that box and then you get to the point that you're talking about, Chris is like, well, how do I do a little bit more than somebody else? And it may be something to your point that, At this point, like seems inconsequential, but like you got up out of bed on a Saturday morning, probably nobody else was willing to do it, and it was a mental edge for you and. Yeah, I mean for for players listening just just understanding that. How you go about your business is way more important than the business that you talk, and I think that that goes a really long way.
1: Well, and and again, yeah, you know, and every program is different, but like what we ask our freshmen to do in our in our environment right now is like the stuff that nobody really wants to do, all right? Can you run the bases? Can you catch the baseball? Can you get a bunt down? Can you have a good two-sh like – like it's all the foundation pieces, right? So it's the non-fun stuff. And they look at the four-hitter who's blasting balls over the wall, and they're like, I want to do that, and they're not physically capable of doing it. They're not mentally capable of putting an approach together to do it. So, like, how are they going to be successful? It's like all the little stuff. You know, Zach Shank was a great example at Maris. He came in as a freshman, he hit in the nine hole. I think he's hit like 25 sacrifice punts and he hit like 260. So, at the end of the year, he came in and I was like, hey, you're, you're going to move up the lineup. But I just want you to understand one thing. Because you were so good at sack bunts, and we, we did it a lot, which was like an absurd number. But this was like right when they killed the bats and the balls at the same time. So like, there was like four home runs hit a year, not 4,000. Um, if he had hit in those at-bats, he probably would have hit like 180. We hit 260. Because we protected him. He he provided a service of value. He did everything that we asked him to do, and he was really, really good. And then he ends his career as our three hitter getting like the 3-0 green light. But he earned everything across the way. He was a captain. He was our best, like, he was the best player. He ends up getting drafted and going play. Like, But as a freshman, he wasn't ready for that. But he was able to accept the role that we needed him to to be in I think we were clear in what we wanted from him he did it and then we're like okay now you're ready for the next step you're ready for the next step you know and from year one to year three and four he becomes a complete role player to one of the best players in our conference
3: he had a nice little pro career too um yeah, yeah uh, that's uh yeah that's an
0: interesting that's the uh, there's a ton to unpack in that story, but your point of the progression in a kid taking on the responsibility to fill the role that's needed to get filled and understanding that if you check those boxes as you go, a lot of times you end up figuring out how good you can be and trust in your coach, having to be about the teams and the wins. Uh, you can really put yourself in a place to be successful. And I, I didn't know that about Zach. I knew he was a fantastic player. Uh, and I, I had a chance to see him play a couple of times and when he was older and man, was he fun to watch, but I, I didn't know that that was his trajectory. And I, I think that that makes it even cooler for him to get to where he got.
1: No, and he, and, 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 another sidebar to So he, he's a great, he's a funny one. Him and John Schwind, who again, another, another guy that played in pro ball and, and everything. They had uh, BP pants because they see, they, they, they had a game. John was at third, and, and Zach was at short. Who could make more diving plays than BP? And we couldn't keep their pants clean, so we gave them BP pants, and then they would go change into their game pants. Like, I don't know. Like, go watch BP today. Go to any game. See how many guys are how many guys dive in practice. We God, all want that's them such a good game. story. Right. Like, I mean, it's amazing. It's, it's just, but you, but this is where like, I haven't coached many John Schwins and Zach Shanks like finding these guys is the, that's the hard part. Like and not it wasn't just effort. It was real. Like it was, it was convicted like every day. Um, And that's why they were really, really good. And we had other guys that dove that were just bad players (laughs) in the end. Right. Like, like er- effort isn't everything right like i mean keith if we're going to talk like you wanted to get a hit every time right? yeah i'm with you So i'm with you um, <laughs> but you know like you get those guys and it was just like it was an organic thing that they challenged themselves with and and without a- absolutely awesome results um but it didn't work for everybody but those two guys like that was the coolest thing like we haven't, I've never had it since, right? Like we've had really, really good players, but like nothing like those two, like their motors and their mental stuff was just, it was different. And that's why they, they ended up progressing the way that they did. There's no doubt.
2: I think that's the
0: fun classy. part You too. saw like Coach
2: Swain the other day, didn't you? I did. I saw him on Saturday. I went to the uh, Brockport-Cortland game, talked to him for a little bit. Um, but I think that's the fun part about coaching though too, is like when you get, when you get that and you see the progression from freshman to sophomore, sophomore, you see them figuring it out as they go, like that's the fun part too. Like you, you, you're, you know, I, I, you, you like to think that you have an impact on everybody and, and you do to some, you know, to varying degrees for everyone. But when you start seeing dudes like that being able to figure it out as they go, like it's, it's, it makes your job super rewarding. Um, and you feel as though like you're 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 getting through to people, you know, and then the the wins consequently start falling when stuff like that happens. So all of a sudden, you know, you're you're yep. winning a bunch of baseball games and it's no secret, you know, in your mind as to why. Right? Like it, it's I mean, I coached at Siena when those two were on the left side. Like it was hard to get a ball through the left side when those two were playing in the infield. Like it, it's I mean, I didn't know they did that in BP, but like that's it's no it's no secret as to why, like, you know, there's there's constant intent and effort behind what they're doing. So it, it's going to eventually eventually it's going to bleed over into the game where, where it needs to show up anyways. What when you go, you know, it's probably a little bit different. I, I, maybe I, I'm not even going to say it's different. I don't know if it is or not. Um, when you guys are recruiting, like what what character traits do you guys value when you're going through this process? It's a loaded question now.
1: You know, I I think some of it is unknown, right? Like you never really know a person, right? Until you get, you get to be with them every day. Right. Um, I think, I think watching them play makes, makes a huge difference. You can tell, I think, I think their motor, like they all, like we talk about, we talk about effort, attitude and toughness, like those three things. You know, are are kind of our lead things and then effort, adjustability and and togetherness as a team. Right. So do you fit any of those six things? And I think those are things that you can um, identify after every game. Did we do those those things? Right. So when you watch someone's effort, it usually reflects their their attitude and their attitude reflects their kind of their time. Like they all kind of tie into each other. So being able to watch guys, I think, is really, really important. And those are character traits that I think it makes sense. I think, um, like on the visit, there's some, just some things that maybe sometimes in conversation of who's answering what questions and, and how are they being answered, I think make, you give you a little bit of feel sometimes as to, um, the things. I think one thing, and this is, I was think about it today. Um, like deflecting stuff is like, it's a, it's a weird thing today. Um, it's common. So when it doesn't happen, it's, it's unique, but like, oh yeah. Like when you came and watched my high school team, like, yeah, we're not very good, but you know, but there's, you know, and then, you know, I was only pitching two innings today because, you know, and it didn't matter that my team made four errors and, you know, and you're like, well, like, what are we, like, what were we doing while we were playing? Right. You know? So like, you know, or, or like, you know what, we haven't, we haven't played well. Like, we're trying to figure it out. You know, but like our guys practice hard and we try hard or like, yeah, there's just, you know, I'm on a team of eight guys are bad and I'm really good. Like, here I go. That's Okay. You know, like you just, you just try and read into some stuff. And, and, and unfortunately all we do, and I, you know, you, you know, like you're just constantly evaluating humans. Like this job is, it's brutal. Like everything like how they walk, how they throw, how they put their hat on, how they catch it, how they throw it, like how they swing on deck, how they wear their uniform. You're like, man alive. Like why do we care so much? But you're trying to figure out the little thing that like gives you a, more information than anyone else will see. Right. And so I think being attentive when we're at games and and, and at like showcases or whatever it is, is important. Um, You know, but, at the end of the day, and, and I, you know, again, I talk about like Army now as being a, what I believe to be one of the most competitive environments in the world. Um, and if we're going to be good at sports um, anywhere, you want to create the most competitive environment that you can. And so trying to get to the, the crux of like, are you in on competition? You know, are you willing to fight for your position? Are you willing to fight for Opportunities? Are you willing to fight for wins? Are you willing to fight, you know, your, your physical and mental at times and change the way that you, you know, you work, I think is, is, is really important. And I don't really know if anybody, I mean, has the, the true answer to each guy, but I think that's super important. Like if you're not competitive, none of it, none of it matters. And if you're competitive, you're probably fairly respectful because you can see things and you see when someone else has earned their stuff Um, and if you're competitive you're not afraid of hard work Um, if you're competitive you're probably pretty good in the classroom as well if you're competitive like everything kind of spawns from from that you know like there's a lot of um, pretty pretty much every aspect of your life has some competitive edge um, you know to it and so I think that would be like the one thing for me, I think that is like, our, do they want it? Do they want to hand it to them or they, do they want to earn it? And and figuring that out is not always the easiest thing in the process because sometimes in recruiting, you have to make quick decisions. But you've got to use every tool that you have, every, every piece of information, every person you can talk to to try and get to that and get to it as quickly as you can.
0: How do multi sport sport athletes factor into that competitive piece? I mean, I know you were, you know, I know you were an awesome basketball player. And I mean, that's one of the things I remember most about you as a player is that you're freaking ultra competitive, right? But being a, a former multi sport guy, do you put any extra value in a kid who plays basketball or plays football or plays soccer? Or is it kind of just case by case?
1: Well, it's case by case because it's not, oh, it's not normal anymore. Unfortunately, like if you just recruited multi-sport athletes, you'd have 12 kids on your team. Like it's just, just, it's, it's just unfortunate. Right. I mean, but I think when you find a kid that, you know, is a quarterback on his team and they're bad, he's the captain of the bad football team, which means he gets his bell rung, you know, 12 times a year and loves it. Like that guy's different and he's a division one baseball player so everybody's probably telling him don't play football right like in today's world so like when you find it i think yeah you you gravitate towards it i think they're more athletic i think they have situational awareness to things i think they're time clock. they're like there's a lot of things that go into um uh to making them a better player overall but I don't think you can sit there and say like, they have to be a two sport athlete because it's just our, our country is not set up the way that it was. Um, you know, I think the, the one place that you can go to is you can try and find like smaller town, smaller, like, like school system type of kids, where it's like, if you don't play the football, we don't have a team. If you don't play basketball, like we're not, we're not running, you know? So I think, that's the only kind of, yeah, you can try and search it out a little bit, but I mean, how many kids today are playing a basketball game and then the next day go into a facility because their travel team has workouts in January. Like it's, there's such a conflict, um, that sometimes it can be good or bad, you know? I mean, we were lucky. I think, you know, the time in which we grew up, like it was when it was basketball, it was basketball when it was baseball. It was baseball. You know, when it was soccer or football, it was soccer and football, you know, or you played fall baseball or fall basketball, like it's just the way it was. Um, It's not set up that way anymore. Um, I wish it was, you know, I think that's, it's a great separator. Um, I think athletically it's, it's probably the most important, Um, you know, but the other part is, is that baseball is not set up to be played year round in nature. And so, therefore, you're not actually competing when you think you're competing. I think like competing against a cage is different than competing in a team environment with a winner and a loser and like a concrete set of rules with like structure and all those things. Like, there's something to going in a cage and seeing live pitching and different things. Like, that's great, but you don't base run, you don't defend, you don't steal bases, you don't like, you're missing 80% of the game or maybe 40% of the game. However you look at it, it doesn't matter. Um, so I guess to answer your question, yes and no, I, you know, you, you, yeah, in a perfect world, we just don't live in a perfect world anymore. You could wrestle too. You don't have to just play hoops. Well, if you can't play basketball, you wrestle.
2: So. <laughs>
3: You're
2: 100% true. That, I got I mean, cut in second grade. It was the most devastating experience of my life, and that's why I wrestled.
1: As long as that covers it. like I mean, yeah, those who can't do other stuff. You're 100% uh.
2: right. But I did, like, I, I to your point, like, I agree, like, you, you know, and, you know, I'm out a little bit more recently than Andy, like, it, it's a lot harder, I think, nowadays to really find the true kind of multi-sport athlete out there to try to recruit, um, you know, but I, I I always found, at least anecdotally, I'll say, I, it always seemed like those kids were a lot more competitive to, um than maybe the kid who just, you know, trains baseball year-round, and then plays 50, 60 games, and, you know.
1: I, I, I think know. there's one piece, like, and, and again, like, the long-term stuff of it, like, you can't play baseball. Like I can go play one-on-one basketball
3: Yep.
1: and I end up throwing fists with my brother.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> like we can go play two hand touch that turns into tackle two on two, three on three, four and four. Like nothing in baseball can be done in a competitive environment without a game. I, I mean, you can't, but you can't, right? Like there's no really? like figuring it out. And so like when you got to like, you gotta figure it out like on in your driveway or like on a at recess or doing stuff like no we plays baseball at recess Mm-mm. like you play kickball which is probably more competitive because somebody's going to get a ball thrown at them at some point like <laughs> and which is good like it's great you know but you're also not allowed to do that stuff anymore you're not allowed to figure it out anymore yeah. like you're not a- Allowed to solve your own problems, and there's so much failure along with baseball. Like we're not a, we're not equipping anybody to to solve their own problems, and I think that's that's huge. Special so that guest. All right. Good night.
2: So. But uh, you know the other, I, I you know, and I think because it's of the guys we played with, and I, I think the success that we had found, like it's we played with a lot of uber competitive people as well. You know, and I, I don't necessarily know if you have a team full of guys all like that, that we kind of had uh, that, you know, that are super competitive. You know, I like, you know, I have a player who's playing for Soups right now, and he texted me and was like, I've never played for two more competitive people in my life. And it's just so, like, it, you know what I mean? Like, and it's should, like, it should, I, I think it's, I've always been super competitive. And so is it like, and it's, I, I think like, we played with a bunch of guys who were competitive to where like it was just normal. And, and I, I find it, you know, I, I have coaching programs and coach kids that are like, there's just no, like it's, you have to like yank it out of them. And sometimes it's not there. And to me, sometimes it's just like, it's weird, man. Like what's the point of doing this? If you don't want to compete, like why, why show up every day and, and do this for as long as we have to, if we're, if you don't like get fired up to go compete.
1: No, I, I mean, we've had, guys over time be like, I've never like had coaches that cared like this, you know, like, and yeah. not, not at West Point, like, but just different things coming out of different, different places. And you're like, and again, that's where I get to those guys. And it's like, they're going to have to make a decision. Like, are you in or are you out? Mm-hmm. And again, it's, for some guys, it's not the right situation. Like I'm probably not the right coach for every guy, you know? And for some guys I'm, probably a really good fit, you know, um, for, for how it goes. But like, I just don't, I don't have a great tolerance for, um, indifference. I call it a lot, Mm -hmm. you know, like you're doing a drill and you don't do it and you're just like, I'll just go to the back of the line. I don't know. Like that, just like, that's a turnoff to me. Right. You know, like, Uh, it's just a bad outing or the umpire is just bad. Like, you know, like, what are you, what are you supposed to do? Like you're just going to give away a couple at bats. Like it's no big deal. Like indifference is, I think one of the, you allow, and again, everybody has a different term for it. I use indifference a lot. Like you allow that to enter into your world and it'll, it'll take it over in time. And so fighting that is, is really important you know, like a midweek game uh, or like your early season trips. Oh, it's spring training. Last I checked, there's a winner and a loser. Like last I checked, like at the end of the year, that's a recorded and logged in deal. Like that thing happened. It happened. Like, and now it's on TV. Like I can actually show you, like it's, (laughs) you know, but like, you know, like, Oh, I got, you know, I was playing against the really good pitchers. So I should get a shot against them. Like what? Like you earn the opportunity, you know, like what are we, where are we drawing the line between what's competitive and what's not, what's, what's meaningful and what's not. And, and some of that is driven again by trying to make everybody at times feel good. Like it's hard. Like we were set up to lose, like, if you're in the Northeast and you're going to be good, you have to win 60% of your games on the road, Yeah, where that's yep. totally opposite of what the world tells you that the numbers are. So you have to be atypical. So you have to have atypical actions and an atypical attitude, and you have to have habits that are atypical to what the world tells you the numbers say, which is hard which is why when it's 11 o'clock at night and they turn on the lights on the out in field at Marist and it's snowing, snow's coming down and you're hitting fungos and, and, and playing defense and doing those things, like, we don't have to do it. Nobody has to do it. But, you know, like when you take a 15-hour bus ride down to North Carolina or South Carolina and you play Wofford, like, do you think Wofford's like, we'll take it easy on them on Friday night. They had a long bus ride. Like nobody cares. Nobody cares about your feelings. Nobody cares about how you feel physically. Nobody cares about anything. At least I don't think so. So like it's, it's, it, it's not big boy stuff, but it's in a sense big boy stuff. Like you got to play. And when you get over like the ability for, you know, your circumstances to create your attitude on things like, I don't know. I mean, I say all the time. That's why I wore shorts out on the field when it was like 20 degrees. If you want to be cold, be cold. But it's a mindset. Like we don't have a choice. Do that or quit. And Maris will have a baseball team. Army will have a baseball team this year. So, it's what it is, boys. You know, and that takes a different type of like. But when you get guys that buy into that, like when you go down. To Wofford, when you go down the East Carolina or South Florida or wherever, you're like, "Let's go!" Like, why are we putting in all of this time and work if we're not going to do it? And so, whether you're traveling with your travel team or you're playing basketball and playing AU or hockey or soccer or whatever, like I don't care, but like I bet you, I this is my world. Like, if my parents drove me somewhere, that was they had other things to do. I have four brothers and sisters. I'm from family of five. Like. My parents took me somewhere, four of them were like, Where are my parents? Why are they spending time on that guy? <laughs> Just like, was, like why are like why is that guy? Why is my sister special today? Like, what's her deal? Like, and but there was an expectation, like, if you were gonna show up, do your job. Like, if you're gonna show up, give me a good effort. Like, you don't have to be perfect, you don't have to win, but you best better like put it out there. You know, I tell our guys all the time, like, I think we do I think they do a really good job. We were in the dugout the other day. I was like, you're built for this. Like, it's a little as it was an adversity time, like you're built for it. And that's, it's hard to create. I think two sport athletes back to the original thing. I think that's what we were talking about. It does build that, but you have to figure out how to do it regardless. You have to make multi-sport athlete competitiveness out of single sport guys. But, you know, when they feel like... They can handle a lot, and that's what I think. Two sport athletes have the ability to do is handle a lot, and usually pretty good.
0: God, that was such a good answer. And you, you hit on so many important things. Just the uh, the competitiveness piece. It's it it's hard to quantify how important that is. And if you get enough of the guys who buy into nobody cares, there's no excuses. Your job is to work hard your job is to put your best effort forward. you get enough guys that want to do that and they have some of the talent that is needed to compete at that level you can you can do some really special things um you know and i have four years as a player, ten years as a coach you know I can, there's only a couple of times where all of those things came together and and you know and one of them was for a really short window of time and we got hot at the right time but you know two thousand five was a mix of that and uh, my first year William and Mary was a special year but it's uh there it's rarer than I think people realize for all of those things to come together and and really do some special stuff
1: no I think that's part of when you're picking programs and you guys are looking at places like places that do it consistently there's probably something going on there like yeah it's it's not as easy I mean we I say it every day winning's hard I don't care I don't care if you're really, really good. It's still hard. It is not easy. And so when, when programs do it consistently, that is a, that's a predictor for a lot of it's development, it's, it's culture. It's, it's all the things that you would think it would be.
0: It's exactly why I went to Marist that. And I think coach, I think coach chef intimidated me into, to want to go, but everything that you guys had built before I got there, that was the reason I went there. It was like, These guys win, and they want me to play for them? Like, let's roll. Let's see what happens when I get there. Like, I'm just going to do what I can to try to get in the mix. And, you know, that was the biggest draw for me is, you know, what you guys had built, I wanted to be a part of that because winning is freaking fun. And, you know, it comes at a cost of, you know, the effort and, you know, the time that you have to expend and doing tough stuff and, you know, being a good teammate. and
1: Yeah. No, I think that's a new I mean, that's another thing in, in, in kind of the evolution of things. And I think we've all tamed as we got a, we've gotten a little bit older. Um, but I don't think the recipes changed. Like fun, like guys do need to have more fun. Like people care about the actual feelings of, of, of people, right? Like Keith, you mentioned empathy. Like that wasn't always on display 25 years ago. And it is more today. But the one unequivocal fact of, of competitive sports is the only thing that's really fun is like the bus rides and the locker room and the things and the, and, and the celebrations and the thing like the success of your of your team. And that does have, you know, I think Nick Saban talks about all the time, like it takes what it takes. Like once you realize there's not many choices, like life gets a lot easier. Like there's only a couple ways to do this, you know, um, but when you get it and and when you win and you see the genuine joy and then you go in the locker room and it's, you're playing music and all the stuff that, you know, that you miss when you're done, like that's fun. And, and it's hard to have that when you're not getting developed, when you're not getting better and you're not, you're not winning. So, yeah, I think like fun practice, the fun practice and some of the loose stuff—like it comes at a price, and more yeah, that I, has an impact. I think I figured this out, and
0: I think you hit on a good point. There's a big difference between fun and enjoying what you do, right? Because it doesn't have to be fun, like smile and laugh all the time, but like you need to enjoy showing up, and if you enjoy doing the hard stuff, if you, like, if you get, if you get some satisfaction out of doing something that's difficult, it'll always be fun, but fun and and hard can go together. Like fun and difficult can go together because it's amazing how much fun it is on the other side of difficult. If you're willing to push yourself and maybe bring a teammate along with you. And uh, I think that that's something that can get lost in the shuffle is like, yeah, you want to have fun, but it's not really about having fun. It's about making sure that the, the kids are showing up in an environment where they actually enjoy being there.
1: And I think there's a difference between, between the two. I, I think about lifting a lot. Like you go to a lift and like what made me feel good was the next day that I felt a little sore. Like to do a 20-minute workout and not feel it, God, it feels like a waste of time. Like you go in there and you, and, and and you put a little weight on and you do a little work and you wake up the next day and you're like, I got a little bit bigger today. Like I, I can feel it. Right. You're like, and you feel good about like a little bit of pain. Mm -hmm. Like it's, we're set up to, I think to develop that way. Like it has to, like when you go for a run and you did, I mean, you ran whatever, 9,000 miles that day, you know, like there was joy in that pain. Right. And you know, like there's just there's something to when you're in that, when you're in that space of like self-development and and different things, the mental and the physical, I think, connecting on putting yourself in stressful situations and knowing that you're better for it is huge. And people just don't always want to get there. Right. Until they feel like they have to. And sometimes you're pitted in a corner, like you either do this or not. And then you then the come to realization of stuff. But like there's the accomplishment of getting through stuff was always like is always something I, I think about. Right. Or just that feeling of like, man, I don't that was pretty that wasn't easy. And we did it. Right. It's the same thing in school. You know, like you get a C on a test, but you studied for 15 hours. Like you still feel like you're like, man, like. I needed every second of that to pass or you just cash it in and get a D and an F, you know, or, you know, well, I can just, I'll just get B's and just roll through. And then, but I still want to go to Brown or Princeton. Not going to happen. Probably not going to happen. Well, you know what, then I'll go to a a NESCAC. Well, that's not going to happen either. Like, and then you're just sitting there like this whole thing passes you by. You know, and it happens academically. It happens athletically. I mean, there's so many guys that again have played college baseball that like look back and they're like, "Man, I screwed that up." And it's there's nothing you can do, right? And and like I I tell our guys, and you guys have probably said the same thing in every environment. Like, you can be a regular person the rest of your life. I can stay up as late as I want tonight. I mean, when you have kids, it's a little different, but like I can stay up as late as I want. Like if I wanted to party every night, if I wanted to do like I could do it. I could figure out a way to do it. But the one thing I'll never be again is a division one athlete. Ever. Like there's the the finite window. Like and it comes and goes like a like a blur, but like you get caught up in all these different, different things, right? That are fun. But like you and I, we could get together. We can stay out till three in the morning and have a blast. And now we, we might've done it once or twice in, in college, but, um, but like, you just don't get it. You just don't, we can't go play like Andy can't play shortstop. I can't throw to you, Keith. Like, it's just never going to happen ever again.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Like it just lives in like this little fantasy world. that we were, we were so freaking good and like, we were okay, you know, but yeah. that that world of, <laughs> yep. like, of no, but just like, you don't see it at the time, you know, and like, how do you get people to understand it? It's, it's, it's so hard, man. It's so hard, you know? And when you're going through the, the, the depths of despair, right. And failure, like if you just knew, like you're going to be fine, right. Or it's gonna, like you're going to have a magical experience of something, right. Or a magical person is going to come into your life or a friend, like the best man at your wedding, like all these things like that's like at 18, you don't think about that, you know, but if you could, um, you know, everybody would attack it differently. I think, you know, and that's the hard part. Like in coaching, like, you know, you know we still, I still, you, know, you guys probably get it. Like somebody comes to a game and they're like, Oh man. Like, and you're like, yeah, it's over. And that's, that's the part that keeps you up at night because you can't help that guy anymore. You tried to help you tried to do it and you just couldn't figure out the way to get, get, get in touch with them. Right. And, and, Mm -hmm. and connect with them which makes the guys that you do like awesome. Like you feel like you're like you're 10 feet tall. Right. But all the guys that kind of slip through the, the cracks, like those are the ones that you wake up at three in the morning and think about. And unfortunately there's, there's too many of them probably for every coach in the country.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's as hard as as hard as we try, tried in my sense. But you know, it as hard as you you continue to do it. Like it's you you never you never necessarily give up. But I, I think that it's hard when you've tried everything and you can't get through for some of those guys and like it does keep you up at night and some of like and i'll be honest like some of the i i had a kid two years two three years ago i can't i can't remember at this point but like his mom thanked me after senior day and she was like i have no idea how you got him through here like i thought he was going to fail out freshman year and he graduated with a bachelor's and a math and he, he had his MBA at rpi and played four years. Like he probably didn't play nearly as much as he wanted to, but he had a lot of other things going on, um, you know, but we got him through and, you know, to have him and someone like that is just as meaningful. I think sometimes as a coach as, as the wins and losses, like I love winning just as much as the next guy, but sometimes like it's, you, you get that moment where it's like, it is like a little bit bigger than, than you and the game sometimes like a. Yeah, all right, we got that guy through college with two degrees when, I'll be honest with you, like, I didn't think he had a, like, I thought he was gone after freshman year. But you can nurse it through, and you you get to have that experience where, you know, by the time he's a a senior and a fifth-year guy, like, he's playing a decent amount and having success, and and you see it kind of click, and it's like, I just wish that clicked four years ago, not for – 10 games in 2021, (laughs) but, you know, I I think that's, you know, you're right. It it does keep you up at night and it's, it's, it's super rewarding. You wish that you could get those guys to, to, to understand that it is such a a short window of time that you're never going to get back, Um, you know, and, and you can chase it for as long as you want, but you're not going to get those four years back. And, you know, to, to, to have the fun that you want to have is, can be fleeting in, in a lot of instances. And, you know, the the when the things that you're really going to remember are are like, I don't really remember a lot of wins and losses. Like I remember us winning and, and having a good time on the bus rides or in the locker room. Like I remember those things way more than I remember who we played, where we went, what we did. Like I, I just, I had to go through the, I was going through the website the other day. Like I forgot where we went to half these places. We went some pretty cool places. I like I completely forgot because it's just like you have so much more that you remember. And it's way more of the, you know, uh, the how you felt after certain things happened, you know, and I I think that that's uh, something that people don't remember um, or don't know. Right. Like they don't know what they don't know. But I I think moving forward, like it's one thing that you're going to want to think about going into college like this is such a finite window of time for me to actually be able to go compete and play like what is it that i want to get out of this and what do i have to put in to get out of it like yeah. there's there's a lot of there's a lot of things that go into it like i went and worked out this morning i didn't want to work out but i felt a lot better after i went and worked out but it, like it's you know it's that give and take and i you know i'm 37 and i still you know sometimes i don't want to go work out but it's you know, you feel a hell of a lot better afterwards. And it's kind of the same thing when you're, when you're that young, I I just wish that there was a way to get more people to really understand that aspect of it and and to get to like, to get And at the end of the day, it's to get the best, the best version of that kid out of themselves for them and you, because if they're the best version of themselves for you, like they're going to win, help you win games. And then they're gonna be the best version of themselves. And that like that's where, like, that's what you want to bring out of these kids. And I, I think that that's the that could be the hard thing. And that's the thing that, you know, like you said, keeps you up at night. Like, how can I get the most out of them?
1: Yeah. I mean, we um we talk about it a lot in terms of like getting lost in the team, right? And I think about um any of the big games you usually play in, right? The really important games are the big games, like you if you go back and think about it you don't have any recollection of like your own thought process you're just thinking about the plays and like how they impacted the game and so like getting lost in the game is really important but like the world's also telling you like be selfish and think about yourself right and so like getting lost in your program is is really is really important and we started a thing a couple of years ago and and I talk about it in recruiting. And then just with the team is like, when we go places like we'll take a team picture on the field on like a Thursday night practice. And so like pictures tell a story, right? Like that picture for us at like Kansas State, will have that's a 10 day story. Mm-hmm. Um, Arkansas to, you know, when we were at Marist, Mississippi State. You know, in that Mississippi State, we ended up winning on Sunday, but we were close on Saturday. And I'm like, you're not ready to win yet. And then we go and win on Sunday. And then at the regional, and like there's all these team pictures. And like at the end of the year, I would send them to them like on the bus on Sunday. We take it Thursday, no phones, like when we get to the stadium. And like it tells a story and it's something they can go back to. And then the other piece is like the ring. I'm like, the ring is a symbol of the year, right? Like that's. Like, if I look at 2005, right, my ring, like, all it does is it starts this, like, flashback, right, Mm -hmm. of people, of, like, baseball, non-baseball stuff. Like, it tells a story. So, like, why do you want to, like, ultimately invest all this time into it? Because if you get it, right, your most clear memories are 2005, is Mm -hmm. my guess. Right? They're not the years we didn't win. Nope. They're not the, that we were bad. They're not the year, like, you know, and like I can look at my 2001 ring and it's a Regional. It's this, that, and the other thing, 2002, 2005, 2009, like all these different ones. And it just tells a story. And so like pictures, I think are important of, of like, you know, as, as a team of like chronicling these journeys that you're on. And then the rings are like, like if I, you know, pick one up, I have them sit in my office. I look at them all the time. And then you start to like daydream about like like what do we need to do to get another one because like it's not it's not the ring it's what it it's what it signifies right it's you know the two thousand and two ring was like I'm running and tackling on Jimmy Willis at first base, like we had talked about it like this is what we're doing, right like I pinch ran against Niagara in two thousand five and scored the tying run like I know that mm-hmm. I lived. Right. Like, you know, uh, cause I was so, I was so fast. Um, you know, um, no, I was the only one you could trust to tag up on a ball in the outfit. Right. Um, but like those things, right. And so, um, like your college life and, and, and all that stuff is, is again, like you guys are, we're all connected, right. You know, you had soup on like soup, just saw George Heath out in Oregon. Right. Like I had a player from Maris just come see me in Annapolis. Like it doesn't end, you know, and it sounds corny to be like, it's four for 40 and all this stuff. But like, there's people, there's guys I coach that we had, like I would say the most mediocre relationship going. And then one day it's like, Hey coach, like, can I put you on as a reference? Like, no doubt, man. Like what's going on? Like, what do you, what do you got? Like whatever you need. And then they show up at a, a game and it's a hug and like, it's 10 minutes, 15 minutes of smiles. And like, and I think everybody comes around to like, you're, you really were, you understand that like you're all in it together. Right. Whether it was good, bad, or indifferent, like you really, right. as much as you might've felt like it was pushing against each other, like you were actually like, it was good. It was good. And it was worth it. So um, like, we've taken this one and run for for ages on it, but there's, there's so much value. And I think the for me, like me moving from like Maris to, to army has re like invigorated me in a sense, um, because exactly kind of what you were talking about before Keith is like, like what these guys will go do impacts how I operate today. Mm-hmm. I got three guys going to aviation. Like they're going to go fly helicopters in the army, so they committed instead of five years, they committed twelve. Like when that kid makes an error, like it's because he doesn't really care. No. So your reaction's different, right? Like we got to not make the error, but like you just attack it differently, right? Like we've got one of the smartest guys on our team. He he wants to pick up a, a gun and go do infantry. We have three other guys doing field artillery. Like they're choosing to like go to a place and in a, in a spot to be like, yes, put it on me to get something done. Like it changes how I coach them. Right. And if I was ever to coach different kids, like you have to create that same environment at a, at a civilian school. Right. And you can do it and we've all done it, you know, but to do and invest more time into that type of atmosphere because it makes us better coaches. And I think it makes our guys better, better players. But like you're more so much more cognizant. I'm way more conscious of like how am I attacking this? Like when we show up to practice, like this kid has 20 practices left. He's just three weeks left of his entire career. Like I never really thought about it that way. Like at Marist. Like, you know, when like, you know, the timeline of like a season ending and different things. Like I look at these guys that we have, and like this guy, in four weeks, like he graduates,
3: never play baseball again. Like, what's the last month gonna look like?
1: Like, it changes the way you prepare. Like, you don't just be like, ah, what are we gonna do today, coach? Ah, I don't know. Well, hit some fungos, like throw some BP. Like, I have a plan. Because they right, deserve, like
2: they' they're like you're not winging practice in April late April May when sometimes you are because you're so late in the season that it's like
1: like you're when right, um, you're trying to create the environment that gives them like the respect as a as a player as a person and gives them the best chance to prepare to be successful when our next game is and you know unfortunately I, I can't say that I was 100 percent that way before but I'm way more cognizant of it now and and it probably will be for forever.
2: That's great. I mean, I I think that that's, you know, I've always been a big believer of um, like, if we're going to ask our kids to get better, like we need to, as coaches too. And sometimes it is, you know, we don't have all the answers and, and being able to, you know, even if it's just that, you know, and, and, you know, relatable for me was I, I, you know, I think I started realizing as I got a little bit older and 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 became a head coach, like it's a far different experience being a head coach than it is an assistant. Like you have like to attack when things. To,
1: when I tell you to tie your shoes,
2: <laughs> yes, like when I have to, my my shoes aren't tied and I look ridiculous, um, you know. But like you, like you have to, you have to respond in ways that are far different than you ever would as an assistant. And I think it, you know, it, it takes. A certain level of, of self-awareness, but I think it all like, you know, I, again, I was blessed to to be surrounded by a lot of really good coaches that I can ask questions to and and be around. But, you know, it, it's, you know, it, it's something that I think, you know, it's invaluable that you have and you're able to do that as a coach to be like, all right, like these are. I have to change what I do and how I do it so that I can get the most and also respect the team and the program that I have. Which I think is also going to get more out of everyone else that isn't a senior, that's a junior, a sophomore, a freshman, um, because they see that kind of, the, you know, they start to see that. They, they start to really buy in and believe that you have their backs and um, want what's best for them, which is something that, you know, I, I think everybody legitimately, wa- everyone that plays for you legitimately wants, um, you know. And I, I don't think that sometimes that's the easiest thing to to kind of display, um, but you know, I, I think that that's amazing that you are able to do that. I, I wish that I was, you know, a little bit more fortunate to do that. Um, when I was a little bit younger, but <laughs> luckily I've been able to learn from, you know, a decent amount of dudes. And I I'd be lying if I didn't say that I, I learned some stuff from you along the
1: way too. So, um, thank you. Yeah, Now it's, uh, we got to do this a long time. We're going to stay in it. I think I'm young and I'm old at the same time. And then, I, I gotta do this for a while, so we got we got to keep evolving, and I think that's the best the best part, right? Like, we're not a stagnant environment; like it's ever changing, and and the stuff that you guys deal with on the recruiting end and and educating, like it's it's ever changing, and it's just changing this year. Like, the rules are changing, the environments are changing, communication is changing. Um, there's so much about it that is different than it was a year or two years or five years ago that um like if we're not on top of it right if you guys aren't on top of it like it it can lead people down a different road um and the value that people put into to us to to coach their kid for for you guys to you know to to mentor and to um to guide is i mean that's it's real right and and i think that's why doing it with with good people um and 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 people that again are are in tune right to want to be to be better and develop like the better you guys are prepared the better we're prepared the better these kids are going to be to uh, to tackle any decision or anything that they have they have to deal with
0: if you got another minute chris i got one last question i'd love to ask you yeah if you were going to pass on just even one piece of advice to a high school kid about when they go through the recruiting process. Is, is there anything that kind of some wisdom you would impart? I mean, obviously, you know, you've been doing this as a coach for a long time and, and you went through it as a player. Um, you know, anything in particular
3: you'd pass on to a high school kid to some food for thought?
1: Um, I don't know if this makes me sound corny or old or Uh, anywhere in between but most of the time I mean there's no absolutes right but like your gut is probably correct like we talk about it a lot like hey like we talked about the type of campus you wanted talk about the type of program you wanted the type of academics you wanted the type of area you wanted the type of this you wanted like everything checks off and you feel good like there's no perfect, right? If it's perfect, it's probably wrong, you know, but I think at times we try and overthink it or, you know, like this is good, but maybe there's a little bit better. Um, and I think you can get into some some different things. The timing of recruiting is, is very difficult for everyone. Coaches don't want to go so fast. Players don't want to go fast, but sometimes it's just speed of life at this point. Um, but I believe that when you, when you sit in front of somebody making sure that you sit in front of somebody, um, and get a genuine feel for, for whether they're, they're in it for, for you or for them. I think it's not as hard as to figure out as maybe some make it. Um, but like, if you're, really prepared as to what you think is a great situation for you and you find places that, um, that check off those boxes, like you've got to, you've got to really dial in on them and and do it kind of quickly. Um, and the weird part is, and we kind of alluded to it before, like, um, you know, and I think you guys have talked about, I think Andy, you've talked about it or something like, but like, you're recruited by like Millersville and I don't know question mark Division One team. Millersville checks off all the box, but it's not Division One. Like you're an idiot not going there. You're an idiot. Like unfortunately, that's not a good soundbite for you guys to put on uh, <laughs> on the internet. But like if it checks, like that's going to be a way more impactful experience. It's going to be the right fit. Like it's 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 the right thing. Right. Because of a lot of the things we talked about before, Andy, like if they're good and they're producing good players and good teams and you sit in front of Coach C and you're like, he is a genuinely good guy that's going to push me and get the best out of me. Like we would be like, what are we looking for? Right. And there's the same thing that, you know, from a a mid-major Division One looking for like that next, that little step up. Right. Like the difference between the Mac and the A-10. Like, dude, at the end of the day, the fit is way – like, who you play for and the type of place you're at is way more important. Like, it's not that big of a jump, right? Like, all those type of things. So, when you you sit down and you think – like, I ask parents all the time, what environment does your kid really do well in or really
3: struggle in? Now, they don't know how I coach, most of
1: them. Like they answer the question for me, like for the fit. Right. So like what question, what one question do you think that you could ask a coach that's going to give you maybe the answer to like, this is my guy or not. And there's no, I don't know what the right question is, but like sometimes you get parents and you're like, that is a great question. Like I've never been asked that before. And like, that's awesome. And I'm going to answer and you're going to love me or you're going to, hate me after it totally cool you know but like coaches i believe should have those questions for a kid for for a prospective student athlete and their parents but i think there's there's probably like if you come in with a list of 12 questions like i got like oh coach question number one like i i don't know if i have that much time to (laughs) i mean i'll answer them but like come on like what's what are the like one or two questions for those parents or the kid and I think the kid is really important like if a kid doesn't answer questions in a recruiting talk like if I'm I'm the parent never played for me I've never played a parent in my life never put them in the lineup I don't answer their emails like I don't think they're
3: yeah
1: I like they don't play right they're not with us every day so the kid is so important and so that's why I think like. I don't know, like, I'm not, I don't think I'm very uh, answering your question very well. But like, I think when you get a chance to communicate, like communicate the things that are really important, like, Hey coach, at the end of the day, I love this place, but I don't know if my parents can afford it. Well, have the conversation with your parents, man. Like you got to get me like, let's figure it out. Like, I want to make this work for you. You need to tell me how to make it work for you. Like, let's have the conversation. Right. Or, hey, we're recruiting you early. Like, hey, dude, like, you need to get all A's because you you screwed off as a sophomore. Like, here's the deal. You want to come here, let's do it. Like, it's the first bout of reality and honest talk, right? But like a parent being like, hey, like, you know what? I don't know if my kid's right for this place. Okay, I appreciate that. I'm still going to recruit the crap out of him. And he's going to make a decision, right? Or it's like, you know what, coach? It's like, it's not for me. Like, it just didn't, he didn't, like, I don't have a, a good vibe for, for whatever. Right. I mean, I got asked for 15 years, like, am I leaving? Are you going to be here at Marist? Right. Like, I mean, like I was 20, 30 years old. Right. And I answered it as honestly as I could. And for 13, 12 years, I was, I was a hundred percent truthful and I was still truthful in the end, but it, I said it would have to take a special place that changed the dynamic of My family, like, and I believe that happened, but like, I didn't lie to anybody. Right. You know, like, don't lie to me. Don't you know, like again, Hey man, at the end of the day, like you come and visit, we're calling you the next day. What do you think? Hey coach, you're number five on my list. Great. Like we're out. Like, we'll see you later. Coach, this is where I want to be. Let's figure it out. Like, be honest, like be honest and you'll just stop wasting time like we've had it before visits like let's have a real conversation like is this a thing like no like like here's my thing like i've been on the road for 2 weeks i'd rather spend the day with my family than spend it with you who is not coming and i'm cool with that man like when i see you when we play against you like we'll bro hug it was awesome like and we'll be happy neither of us spent the day faking a recruiting process just be really genuine about it. And if someone's not genuine back, like, you know, the answer, your gut will tell you you're right. Like move on. If you don't get responses, it's real. Mm-hmm. If someone's hounding you down, like it's real. If you get an offer, it's real. If let's push off the visit for a month, like it's not real. I mean, I, I, Again, I, I probably taken hijack this question, but um, I think we try and it's almost like dating, right? Like you try and sometimes make excuses for people. Wow, oh, well, maybe he didn't respond because he didn't see my email because he's been recruiting, and uh, maybe, or they're not interested, right? Or you get what you feel is like a connection of like. <laughs> And you're like, man, this is good. But a lot of times people don't like the like, they like to chase the person again, right? It's, you know, and and if you're lucky enough, it works. If not, it 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 doesn't. But again, it goes back to I think the the roundabout piece, and 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 I'll land the plane here, but like you have to be completely cognizant of the timeline. And if you don't ask about it, if you don't like have an understanding of it, you can get left in the dust. Like pretty quick and it's okay if you're comfortable with it but you have to know because today's world and the way it's going to change in the next the next cycle is it's going to be like shotgun starts at a like a golf tournament and if you're not prepared and and kind of dialed in then you have to be very you have to be comfortable being very patient but like you guys have said it a million times, there's a place for everybody. You want to play college baseball and you have ability, like you're going to get there, but like, you got to be able to play catch. You've got to be able to put the barrel on the, on the baseball. Like you got to be able to do some stuff, but um, I think being aware and, and have a a true understanding. And I think that's the best part with you guys about division one, division three, like you have, like you're, you're dialed into every level of this thing and understand the process at it and being able to decipher how those timelines and the timing, the shift is, is huge today, probably more than ever.
0: Chris, I can't thank you enough, man. Um, just uh, taking two hours out of your time to, to sit down and talk with us, like uh, ton of knowledge was dropped. I, I, I can't thank you enough, man. Really appreciate the time. And, um, Yeah. Thank you.
1: No, it was awesome. We could have done two more hours, but I know (laughs) we could. (laughs) There's no doubt about it. Justin wants to go to bed. So (laughs) no, but I appreciate you guys. And obviously uh, any, uh, anytime, uh, we get to spend some time together is, is a good time. So I appreciate it.
0: Thanks, man. Good luck. Rest of the way. We'll be following closely. Um, Hope you guys take home the championship, man. I uh, love yep. to be watching it in the postseason. I know you guys. I know that's the aspiration, and uh, you got two big fans here. I know that. So, absolutely, thanks again, awesome.
1: Chris. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Appreciate, Appreciate it, Chris.